Well, open your Bibles, if you would, to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We come this morning to the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, but we'll go ahead and read the first half of the commandments as well, or commandments one through four to get there. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I Yahweh your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your manservant nor your maidservant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Let's pray. Father, give us insight this morning into the nature of honor. Help us to know what honor is and to do it. Help us to preserve the honor and perform the duties belonging to each one of us in the different places and relationships in which you put us as superiors, inferiors, and equals. Give us the grace to love your statutes, to keep your commandments. Help us above all to see Christ, the wise son who honored his father in every respect, who continues to honor you in every respect, and who speaks to us in this commandment and tells us to be like him and to honor our earthly parents and our heavenly father. We pray these things, Lord, asking that you would give me boldness the purity of thought and purity of speech that I might proclaim your word to your people. Feed us richly on the rich meat of this commandment, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this was the first commandment that made me feel good. Commandments 1 through 4, as I studied, I said, not me. I sin in this area, but I got to commandment 5 and said, I do honor my parents, conveniently forgetting all the ways in which I have done my fair share of talking back, mouthing off, hiding from them, etc., etc. It was a superficial good feeling. But all the same, the reason it was superficial is not just my sins against my parents, but because this commandment isn't just talking parents. As we pointed out at the beginning, every command describes just the worst or most egregious sin of that kind. And so, the next commandment, thou shalt not kill, 
doesn't say, you may not kill your neighbor, but it's okay to torture him within an inch of his life. The commandment, you shall not commit adultery, doesn't mean don't go all the way, but you know, it's okay to, to go very far with your neighbor's wife. And in the same way, this commandment doesn't mean you can honor your father, and if, as long as you're honoring your father and mother, your two biological parents, you can be the meanest, nastiest, snottiest, most disrespectful human being the world has ever seen to anyone and everyone else. The worst kind of dishonor is the dishonor that dishonors father and mother. They've done more for you than anyone else ever will. And they have done what you cannot possibly repay. And therefore, to dishonor them is the most egregious kind of dishonor. But there are many kinds of dishonor, and the commandment doesn't just refer, therefore, to father and mother. It refers to all superiors, and therefore, by implication, also to inferiors, those under our charge, and to equals, those on a parity with us. Your father and mother are two of your neighbors whom you have to love, but they are not the sum total of your neighbors whom you have to love and therefore whom you have to honor. And in fact, if you're wondering where I'm getting this, Peter makes it very clear. I put the verse in the bulletin. First Peter 2, Peter just upgrades this commandment to honor everyone. It's not just father and mother. Yes, honor your father and mother, by all means. And dishonoring them is the worst kind of dishonor. But, Christian people, people redeemed from Egypt, are called to honor all men, all women, all children. Every human person is someone you are called to honor. The fifth commandment requires us to honor every human being according to their appropriate places and relationships. Now, that's a big category. How do we think about honoring everyone? So we're going to go through it in this way. First, we'll talk about what honor is. What is honor? How do you honor? What does honor look like? We can think of the southern gentleman saying, you have insulted me, sir. That is a, a version of honor. But there's far more to it than that. And then once we've talked about what honor is, we're going to break it down across three major categories, superiors, inferiors, and equals within the five institutional contexts in which we all participate. The home, the workplace, the school, the church, and the state. Home, workplace, school, church, state. Within every one of those categories, all of us participate at some point in our life. Some of us participate in all five at once. And within each of those institutional settings, you will find superiors, people to whom you answer, inferiors, people whom you guide and lead, and equals, people who answer to the same people you do and perhaps guide the same people you do but don't have authority per se over you. So, hopefully by breaking it down between those three categories, superiors, inferiors, equals, across the five institutions of home, church, state, school, and workplace, this will give us a good understanding of what honor is, 
and where and how we are called to honor. We'll wind up the sermon with the why. Why to honor? God gives a promise in this commandment of land and life in the land as the gift of himself. So, how to honor? What does the commandment mean when it says honor? There's the first way into the concept of honor is the related concept of weight. Honor is a species of giving weight to somebody. When you think about a decision that you have to make, how much weight do you assign to the opinions of, name four random celebrities, Pope Francis, Taylor Swift, Karl Marx, or Donald Trump? Do you ask yourself, what would Karl Marx think if I do X? Right? Probably of those four celebrities, you assign very little weight to all of them. They are not weighty in your life. They don't influence your decision making. They are lightweights in your thinking. But to honor someone is to make that person a heavyweight. To say, I put a lot of stock in, I give a lot of weight to the opinion of my father. If he says, buy that car, I will buy that car. Because his opinion is weighty in my life. Now most of us, in terms of just unbelieving humanity, the biggest weight in our decisions is, how much money is this likely to make? How much fun is this likely to be? Who's going to be pleased if I do this? How popular will this make me? We put the weight on those things. God says put the weight on what father and mother think. Put weight on those whom you are supposed to honor. Their words, their opinions, their attitudes should be weighty to you. The second way into the concept of honor is to think of it as respect. Honor is... The full-grown, full-blown version of respect. Respect is the opposite of scorn and contempt. To scorn someone is to despise them, to look down on them. To respect someone is to be impressed with them, to look up to them. To honor someone is to, to look up, to be very respectful. Honor is deeper than respect, but respect is certainly part of honor. In fact, another synonym that goes deeper than respect is fear. Leviticus says, Fear your father and mother. Keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. God takes honor your father and mother and upgrades it to fear your father and mother. In the religious sense, like the fear of God. What does that mean? It's not necessarily a fear of the person you're honoring, Oh, he's really going to be mad if I step out of line. Rather, it is a fear of dishonoring, a fear of transgressing, a fear of God that manifests itself in a humble and respectful attitude. I recognize the weight of this person. I recognize the respect they command from everyone around them, and I recognize the respect they command from me, and therefore, I am afraid 
of damaging that respect. This too is part of honor. Finally, one we're all waiting for, obedience. Obedience is part of honoring. It is not the only part. It's not an exhaustive synonym, but it is a synonym. How do we think about this, right? Well, in one sense, obedience is not always part of honoring. Because the Bible says, honor all men, but it would be impossible to obey all men. You can't do that. Because different men have different opinions and will tell you to do different things. But you can honor everybody. So there are some things that are very clear here. It's not possible for a five-year-old to disobey his parents and then say, I'm still honoring you, I just have a different view. No, you just dishonored me. It's not possible for a private to disobey a lawful order while still honoring his commanding officer. It's not possible for a wife to disobey a lawful request from her husband while still honoring him. It's not possible for a citizen to disobey the laws of his country while still honoring them. Right? Civil disobedience, as we understand it, is a direct violation of this commandment. It is indeed a disobedience. And you may do it in a very civil fashion, but it is nonetheless a violation of this command to honor father and mother. But in many other relationships, it is possible to honor your superiors while politely making a different choice. What's the guiding principle here? How do we distinguish? The answer is, obedience is required in every relationship with a superior in the area where the superior has jurisdiction. Obedience is required in every relationship with the superior in the area where the superior has jurisdiction. So in the workplace, your boss is allowed to tell you, you've got to submit the project by Friday night. Your boss is allowed to say, hang all this drywall and do it now. And don't go work on the purchase order because we're hanging drywall today. And you can't say, boss, I honor you, but I am going to work on the purchase order right now. The drywall can wait. No, the boss has jurisdiction over what job is going to be done and what order it's going to be done in, and therefore honoring the boss means doing what he says because he has jurisdiction in this area. But if the boss says, I want you to eat Mexican three nights a week, you say, sorry, you, know, you don't have jurisdiction in that area. The workplace doesn't control my meals. You don't have the right to tell me what to eat, or how to eat. You're my boss. You tell me how to do my job. You don't tell me how to fill my belly. So you can disagree with a superior in any area where the superior doesn't have jurisdiction. But in an area where the superior has that jurisdiction, this commandment tells us honor does mean obedience in all the areas where the superior has jurisdiction. So within the state, this is very obvious, right? The laws of 
Montana or South Dakota. Yes, they are our neighbors. No, those laws do not apply to us as Wyomingites. We don't have to do what Montanans or South Dakotans are required to do. We had friends from Pennsylvania visiting this week, and they showed a picture of this homemade, very homemade dune buggy in the Walmart parking lot in Cheyenne. Said, you couldn't have this in Pennsylvania because there, you're not allowed to drive cars like that. Pennsylvania has a state inspection. It's like, yeah, man, that's what freedom feels like. (laughs) The state, Pennsylvania, has the right to tell people, you can't drive a dune buggy. And Wyoming has the right to tell people, drive whatever you want. It had a license plate, as Pennsylvania tells me. (laughs) You wouldn't get that in Philadelphia. Well, anyway, jurisdiction is key. Where does this authority have jurisdiction? So again, we think about the five areas, home, workplace, school, state, church. Right? The state doesn't have jurisdiction over what you eat, nor does the church, but your home does. Your parents can say, put the peas in your mouth. Chew. Swallow. You can't say, no, I honor you, but you don't have the right to tell me to eat peas. Your parents have jurisdiction over your food choices. And so, in a certain sense, might the school, if the parents give the school that option, you go to school and the school serves such and such for lunch, the fish taco, and you say, I don't like fish tacos, and the school says, eat the fish taco. It's within our jurisdiction. Obedience is part of honor in any area where the authority has jurisdiction. So, how did Jesus put it? Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. To God, what is God's? If Caesar has authority in a certain area and he tells you, you may not hold a protest sign in this park, obey Caesar. Caesar has the right to ban protest signs from the park. The park belongs to Caesar. He pays for the water. He pays for the mowing. He pays for the plants. He pays for the park. He put up the sign. Therefore, the park is Caesar's. Whom to honor? We honor by showing respect, fear, weight, obedience. Who do we honor? We're going to go quickly through the three categories, superiors, inferiors, and equals in the five different relationships. Superiors. We must honor our superiors. And in the home, that is father and mother. What does the word superior mean? We're allergic to that word in our egalitarian age. The word doesn't mean a person who is morally better. The word means a person who occupies a higher position. Position doesn't refer to worth. I'm a better human being than you because I'm in a higher position. Right, a state legislator throwing his weight around over against the county commissioner because state is higher than county. Right, we rightly regard that as absurd. But nonetheless, God has set up the world in such a way that there are positions at various levels. And some are above you, some are equal to you, some are below you. Everyone in here has or had parents. 
They are your superiors, and when you're young, they have jurisdiction over every aspect of your life. What you wear, what you eat, where you go, where you don't go, who you talk to, who you don't talk to, parents are your superiors across the board. Their authority, in one sense, is limited only by the other laws of God. So, how do you honor father and mother? It's relatively simple when you're three years old. What about the majority of us in here who are adults? How do you honor father and mother? The first thing that the Bible talks about, this comes up over and over and over, is listening to them. Listen to your father who begot you. Do not despise your mother when she is old, Solomon says. And he says many other things along those lines in the book of Proverbs. Listen to your parents. That is the number one way to honor them. And that includes making time for them. If you tell me, oh, I listen carefully to to my mom. Well, how often do you call her? Oh, we probably talk three times a year. Now, if you talk that little, you're not listening. You are not making that relationship a priority. If I say, I listen to a certain radio personality three times a year, you'll say, well, you're not a big fan. You don't exactly listen carefully to that radio personality. So it is with listening to your parents. Make time to speak to them. The Bible majors on this, and I could give you list upon list of verses that describe listening to father and mother. The Bible also talks about caring for aged parents. This is a duty that has come upon many of us in this room and will come to the rest of us at one point or another, most likely. This is something that Jesus excoriated the Pharisees for neglecting. They said, I don't have to care for my aged parents. I've developed a legal loophole. And Jesus said, God curse you. If you think that your legal loophole can deliver you from the commandment of God, honor your father and mother. Honor your aged parents by taking care of them, by making sure that they have what they need. Honor your parents by how you talk to them and about them. There are people that I know who, every time they talk to their parents, this barely concealed edge of irritation and anger creeps into their voice. Well, that's not honoring father and mother. There are others who, every time they talk about their parents, use disrespectful names, my old man, my old woman, Or say things in such a way that you say, wow, you don't think much of your old dad, do you? You need to speak of your parents in a way that will lead people to honor your father and mother and to know that you honor them. Uh, Similarly, your boss is your superior. He or she may not be smarter than you, may not be older than you, may not even be better paid than you, but is still your superior and tells you this is the work to be done and this is how we're going to approach it. You have to honor the boss. Same with the teacher. The teacher has jurisdiction over your learning. Teacher says, turn the paper in by 11.59 p.m. on Saturday. You can't turn the paper in Monday morning and say, well, I still honor you, teacher. 
even though it's two days late. If you're just blowing off the commandment, you are not showing that honor in the educational jurisdiction. Magistrates. This one is tricky for us with our tradition of complaining about government. Uh, Several of you might have a sign in your yard that says, Back the Blue. What about backing the politicians who hire the blue, pay the blue, train the blue? Right? There's more to it than just one small representative of our civil authorities. The Bible says, obey them not only out of fear of punishment, though that's valid, and there are times when all of us have been upset enough with the civil authorities to realize the only reason I don't throw a big fit is because I know that they have the power to grind me into dust and that there will be nothing I can do about it. I've told you all before about the almond grower in California that my grandfather knew who was out in his orchard one day and he had his loader and he was building up his slash pile of all the trimmings from the almond trees. He was burning that slash pile on this particular day and the EPA agent came out in his pickup and got this orchard grower and told him all the things he was doing wrong and how he was violating this act and that provision and this regulation and that regulation. And the Ammon farmer got so angry when the EPA guy got in his pickup to drive away, the Ammon farmer drove up to the pickup with the forks on his loader, lifted it up, pulled over and set it right in the middle of his giant burning slash pile. Burned the pickup down into slag. EPA guy managed to jump out and run to safety. That is not honoring your civil authorities. You can sit and say, in many ways, the EPA should not exist. Congress had no right to create such a thing. The Constitution doesn't allow it, etc., etc. You may even be right. But the commandment still requires you to show honor. Now, it's okay to say... Perhaps, you don't have jurisdiction, I don't have to obey you. But you also may not violate the next commandment, and murder. Shooting down cops because you think they're crooked or enforcing unjust laws, not acceptable for the Christian. This commandment, in other words, doesn't give us the wiggle room that we like to assume for ourselves. Oh yeah, I honor father and mother. I love my parents to death. But the current occupant of the White House, I could spit on him all day long. That's not how that goes. That's why Paul says, obey for conscience sake. That is not just because the civil authorities can grind you into dust, and if you burn up one EPA pickup truck, they can shut down your farm and make your life miserable for decades Don't just obey because of that, though that's a perfectly valid reason to obey, but also obey because your conscience tells you, I fear God, I honor God, and where Caesar has jurisdiction, I am required to do what he says. Caesar has set it up so that he owns the lands and waters around you. He says, you can't hunt on this land, you can't drill for oil on this land, You can't run water on this land. It's Caesar's land. Obey him. Render unto 
Caesar. Finally, in the church, you also have superiors. You have elders in the church who are over you, who are your superiors. And this is true even if you are one of the elders. That's why our ordination vows to the office of elder require you to swear that you will submit to your brethren in the Lord. That if the rest of the elders say, you're going to do this, you agree that you will submit to that up front. Because that is how God rules his church. Jesus put in apostles. The apostles, in turn, turned around and ordained elders. And the elders are the legitimate authorities in the church. So where does the church have jurisdiction? Well, over your life and doctrine in a certain sense. The church is required to watch, are you keeping the commandments? Are you believing the right thing about Jesus? Or are you falling into heresy? Are you falling into scandalous sin? And if your elders summon you and say, we have evidence presented, we have reason to believe that you are a heretic, that you are trying to destroy the church with contentiousness, that you are falling into this scandalous sin and not doing anything about it, you are required to go. Again, for conscience sake, because the commandment says, honor your father and mother, and that includes honoring your elders and obeying them in the area where they have jurisdiction. Well, that's superiors, but we also have to honor inferiors. And this is something that superiors like to forget. One of the most common sins of superiors is the sin of self-aggrandizement. I think all the time of who was it, the Campbell County Commissioner who told the mayor of Wright, someday you'll come to Gillette. Well, this sin of self-aggrandizement is absurd, but it is also very common to think, well, I'm a parent and therefore I am always right and the kid is always wrong. I'm a teacher, therefore I'm always right and the student's always wrong. Or, I'm a magistrate, I'm an elder, I'm a boss. But the command says, honor all men, and that includes those in that inferior position. To honor your inferiors does not include obedience. Your inferiors do not have jurisdiction over you. And so, though honor does include obedience in every area where the party you're honoring has jurisdiction, your inferiors don't have jurisdiction. But to honor your inferiors requires that you listen to them respectfully, that you treat them as worthy and noble. It means giving proper weight even to them. So, one way in which God helps us remember that is that We are superiors in some relationships and inferiors in others simultaneously throughout our lives. Contrary to the Roman church where the Pope is above all earthly powers, there is no actual office in this world, no God-sanctioned office, where you are the superior to everyone around you. Even the Roman church would admit that the Pope is still inferior to his parents in some respects. Were they to be still alive? Anyway, your inferiors, first of all, 
How do you honor your children? Well, the most important thing here is honor them by doing your job as a parent. Care for them. Train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Give them the food, clothing, and shelter that they need. Provide for them. Love them. Discipline them. All of this is required in a, in a superior. That's how you honor your inferiors. And the same goes for your employees. How do you honor your employees? Well, give them the tools and the encouragement that they need to do their job. You dishonor your employees by holding them back, by creating the artificial barriers, by breaking down their team spirit, by giving them impossible or contradictory commands. All of these things dishonor your employees. Honor your employees by verbal encouragement and by actually thinking well of them. Right? This honor is an action, but it's also a mental thing. Where if you say, well... I despise all these lowlifes who work for me. But I won't let it show. I will act like I honor them. No, it's going to come out. And you will break this commandment at some point. In, by actions as well as by thoughts. What about students? How do you honor your students? Well, feed them as much information as they can learn, but not too much. Don't turn them off from learning. Honor their position as students. Don't suggest that because you are the teacher... You're a more valuable human being. Not true. The fifth commandment does not say that superiors are better. It says that superiors fill higher positions and are required to submit to God in those positions. So again, Jesus shows us what superiority as a teacher should look like, act like, talk like. He was a rabbi, a teacher. He taught perfectly. Well, how do you honor citizens if you are a magistrate, if you're a judge, a cop, an elected official? It doesn't mean you obey the citizens. That's not what the relationship is. But you treat them with respect. No, It doesn't say honor all men except felons. You don't have to necessarily listen carefully to everything the prisoner says and believe it all, you know, that if you're arresting him for one crime, then he might be guilty of the sin of lying as well. But that respect, that honor, still needs to be there in the appropriate way. And finally, elders to lay people. Listen carefully to them. Teach them and love them. Don't belittle them or be angry at them because they're not as mature as you, the mighty elder, are. Anyway, if you're angry at someone for being immature, just how mature are you? Finally, how do you honor your equals? Again, this comes down to respect and listening. You don't have to obey your equals, nor do they have the authority to command you. But by God, truly, in the name of God, you need to listen to them when they rebuke you. Right? Especially pay attention to anything your equal says when they say, you're out of line here. In God's economy, rebuke doesn't just come from the top down. Superiors are not the only ones who can say, you're out of line. Your equals can tell you that. Your inferiors can tell you that. And the wise love rebuke and listen to it no matter the source. So the relationship with equals is not one of authority and submission. It is one of respect and equality. And when we think about genuine relationships with equals... 
such as the relationship between your family and the family next door, we see how silly the egalitarianism that pervades our culture is. Yes, the family next door is our equals. But that doesn't mean that everyone we know and everyone we interact with could fit in that same slot. That would not work. Society would fall apart if we tried to treat everyone as genuine equals. In fact, that's why society is falling apart. Well, why do we honor? Commentators have tied themselves in knots on this commandment over Paul's statement that it is the first commandment with a promise. No, the second commandment clearly has a promise. How did Paul miss that? The answer is that Paul never said this is the first commandment with a promise. That's a terrible mistranslation. Paul said, this is a commandment of foremost importance with a promise attached. Not the first commandment, but the foremost commandment. This commandment, psychologically speaking, is the most important of them all because if you cannot learn to honor your father and mother, if you cannot attach to them in love and respect and admiration for their generosity to you, you will most likely never be able to keep any of the commandments. You will never learn to connect with God your Father. And the commandments start with the phrase, I am the Lord your God. If God is not your God, if He's not God to you, if He's not the God you own and admit, the rest of the commandments are gobbledygook. You will never understand or keep them. They will not mean anything to you. That's why this fifth commandment is the commandment of foremost importance. And that's why we should honor superiors, inferiors, and equals. If you don't learn to honor father and mother, you will never learn anything about the moral life. This is the first step on the path of obedience to God. If you can't recognize, I was conceived in love, nourished in love in a womb for nine months by somebody who cared for me there, held, cuddled, carried, fed, talked to for another two years when I could do nothing for myself and then provided for for another 20 years or so in terms of a place to live, food to eat, friends, capital, uh, tools, books, cars, education, all of these things that your parents just give you, if you can't recognize that and respond with respect and love, you will never learn to not murder, not steal, not commit adultery, not lie. You'll never learn to worship God and have no other gods. That's why this is the commandment of foremost importance. So why honor? Well, the first reason is life. God is talking to people that are already alive. People who have fathers and mothers. And he says, you're alive. I'm telling you what to do with your life. Obey, honor your father and mother. And the reward for doing that is life. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Because you're alive, because you have a father and mother who gave you life, Seek life. What is God saying? Well, there's two different levels of life here. There's the kind of life your parents gave you, that biological life, the psychological life that comes from interacting with other human beings in social life, biopsychosocial life. Parents give that. 
And the reward for accepting that gift is the spiritual eternal life with your heavenly Father. That's what we're seeking. God says that when you honor your parents, the reward is life with Him as your ultimate Father. So honor your father and mother to extend those days on the land. And what is the land? We've talked about this at length back in Exodus 15. The land is heaven. The place not made by human hands, which is exactly how Moses puts it. Exodus 15, verse 17. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. Where is God bringing His people? Yes, to the earthly promised land, but that's a down payment. That's a stepping stone to heaven, to the temple not made with hands, built by God Himself. And that's the promise of land for us. What the New Testament calls heaven. Yes, we'll get as much life on this land, on this earth, as God reckons proper for His glory and our good. And it's easy to see that if you don't honor your father and mother and you run out in the street, you'll get run over. You don't honor your father and mother and put on a coat, you'll freeze and die. You don't honor your father and mother and eat your peas, you'll get sick and perish from drinking too much Kool-Aid. And so it goes. Father and mother keep you alive in the most literal sense. But beyond that, God says, land. The land of heaven is yours if you obey this commandment. And you'll have God. The land which the Lord your God is giving you. He's your God. And that's why you should keep this commandment. Jesus kept this commandment. John 8. He that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone for I always do the things that please Him. Jesus always honored His Father. The Lord was His God. And that's why we should make the Lord our God. And finally, it's a gift. The land which the Lord your God is giving you. He's handing it all to you on a silver platter. You were born through no activity of your own. Parents gave you life from outside yourself. You didn't ask for life. It was a gift. And the further life that you get from keeping this commandment is still a gift. So honor the agents through whom God gives it to you. Honor father and mother. Honor the superiors, inferiors, and equals through whom your life on earth is prolonged. Because that's what Jesus did. And he tells us to be like him. Let's pray. Father, we ask that we would be a church full of father and mother honorers. A church full of people who submit to proper authority within its sphere of jurisdiction. Don't let us be people with an authority problem, people with defiance issues. Help us to be a submissive, obedient people who recognize that you have put authority in this world for our good, for our life in the land that you, our God, are giving to us. Father, we thank you for land. We thank you for life. We thank you that you are our God. And we thank you for your gifts. Because we have received those gifts, help us to honor. To honor you as our Father. To honor our earthly parents. To honor everyone 
in their various places and relations. We pray these things in the name of Your Son, our Lord. Amen.